Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, this didn't take long. Uh, just uh, two days after the election uh, and the minority government, of course, that resulted, 63% of Canadians that were polled by Ipsos think Andrew Scheer should resign because he didn't win on Monday evening. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, it's a politics is a dirty business. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Barry K., political science professor at uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. Barry, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Bill. I really enjoyed your insight, by the way, on the global news coverage on Monday evening about the uh, the coverage and the election itself. Do, were there any surprises for you in in this whole process, Barry? Oh, there's always surprises. Uh, clearly, the Liberals ran more strongly in uh, Ontario, especially the 905. They hardly lost anything uh, in the 905. Uh, and that's why they were we, uh, most of the uh, people doing projections like myself were in the high 130s, low 140s. And in fact, they exceeded that by close to 20 seats, 157. Not enough for a majority. Uh, there were some individual seats I was certainly surprised by. Not not so much um, with regard to, I, I knew that uh, Goodale was in trouble in, uh, in Saskatchewan. I'd heard that and we were expecting a very strong uh, conservative performance in the western uh, the western province especially Alberta and um, and Saskatchewan uh, a couple of seats i certainly was surprised by the uh, the Windsor Tecumseh uh, race because that was a seat that NDP had won by a big margin and in fact that uh, that was lost so individually there were a few surprises um in general uh somewhat but not dramatically yeah the basic uh, result is, is what we expected which was a um, a liberal minority with somebody propping them up in this case it turns out it's going to be the NDP yeah, actually, as it turned out, uh, the, the Liberals actually picked up one seat in Ontario, which was, I, th- I think, to everybody's surprise. They had 77 at dissolution, and they got 78 now. And, and the Windsor, mm-hmm. the Windsor uh, situation was a surprise to me, too. Sandra Pupatello, the former provincial cabinet minister in the uh, Liberal government, uh, was running down there, and I thought she would have had a stronger showing, but uh, Brian Mass has been that there. Was for- the, that was the seat that the, the NDP thought they might be threatened by, and in fact, it was the other, the other seat, also Essex, that they yeah. lost. Essex is more competitive, but the the other the the Windsor Tecumseh's the east side of town, and that was uh, anyway that was one of the big surprises for me, I guess. Well, let's talk about Andrew Shear, and uh, and I guess this is inevitable. I mean, every time uh, somebody is on the wrong side of an election like this and uh, doesn't do uh, what people have anticipated he was going to do, there's a lot of anticipation that this was going to be a, a conservative government simply because of all the angst about Justin Trudeau, and a lot of it was more personal than it was on policy. But he's lost. And uh, I know that he addressed, Chair addressed the media yesterday and said he's sticking around, he's not going anywhere. Uh, but if we're to believe some of these rumors, that may not be his call there. Well, there will be a review. I mean, he want, clearly wants to stay. Uh, that's not surprising for politicians. He, uh, by some measures, he certainly did better than, uh, than last time. And uh, it wasn't a total wipeout. It wasn't a conservative majority. Uh, but I do not think that Chair really helped the party much. Uh, some of the circumstances were beyond his control. Uh, part of the problem in Ontario was was, I think, the, the latent resentment toward Ford, and uh, but Sheer never really separated himself. He certainly didn't allow Ford to be part of the campaign, but he could have said something more specifically to uh, to basically be critical and to suggest that the kind of changes that Ford introduced in terms of education and health cuts in Ontario were not something that he would be doing at all. He could have very much precluded that. He didn't. Um, he's also somebody that just is not quick off the mark in dealing with things. Um, the questions initially, if you remember the early part of the campaign, he was challenged on abortion and um, and gay marriage, which are not issues that I think are pretty much you know set to bed in in, in Canada. We're not we shouldn't be discussing them, but he did not allow himself to quickly state clearly that that that, that was going to happen. Ultimately, it got teased out uh, eventually. Uh, the, the problems with regard to he, he just isn't all that candid about his personal life. The, the comments about the uh, the insurance uh, agent credentials, 
totally unnecessary, totally unforced error on his part, the same with regard to the, the joint citizenship. Those are things that could have been dealt with very easily long ago, long before. Trudeau made mistakes, too. And that was, that's really the problem with Scheer, is that, in fact, he was unable to exploit Trudeau's mistakes and scandals because of his own. Um, and the fact is, he's not a particularly charismatic person. And I think there's a more general problem. He's also basically a social conservative, which does not resonate with urban Ontario or even suburban Ontario. And those are things that um, I do not think are going to put him in good stead should he be the conservative leader the next time around. I was trying to think of people. I know Peter McKay's name has popped up. Yeah. I was thinking that the kind of person, I'm not sure he's interested in this, but the kind of person that, in fact, I think would be very effective as a um, conservative leader to appeal to urban Ontario is Toronto's mayor, John Tory. I think John Tory would be perfect because John Tory, in fact, is much more um, much more moderate and is seen that way. It's not that Ontarians and Torontonians even aren't prepared to vote conservative under certain circumstances. We just saw it provincially. I don't know that they, they knew what they were going to be getting with Ford, but nonetheless, they were prepared to vote conservative. But um, uh, you, uh, social conservatives from the West talk who are prepared to deny climate change or to suggest that nothing should be done about it, those are just not winning messages. And indeed, I think climate change has already reared its head, is, is, and it's only going to be more significant in elections to come. If the Conservatives are going to want to win future elections, I know they're going to do well in the West, they're going to do well in rural Canada. But if they want to win elections in the future, they've got to crack into not necessarily the city of Toronto or the city of Hamilton, but they're going to have to crack into at least the 905, the suburban belt, which is normally the pivot in both provincial Ontario elections, but also federal elections being swept in Oakville, in Mississauga, in Brampton, in York Region, just about a couple of exceptions. Um, that's something that Conservatives really have to think about, and I'm not sure that uh, that Andrew Scheer is the ticket in the future for the Conservative success. Well, I want to ask you about that, because I've talked to a number of uh, friends of mine in the media who are small-c Conservatives uh, and other people that have consistently voted Conservative in past elections, uh, and and they they felt uncomfortable. It wasn't just with Andrew Shearer, uh, and and they said, "Hey, look, we're taking some heat from some of our colleagues now because uh, we're not so, so strident now with our support for the Conservative Party." And I, I said, "Well, what's the problem?" He says, "I don't think I've changed." This one guy told me. He says, "The party's changed. It's gone way too far to the right. Uh, there used to be a, a middle of the road, as you say, kind of a middle right uh, aspect to the Conservative Party, and they seem to have abandoned that uh, for the more well, this, as this guy told me, radical views. And I think that's alienated." a lot of voters. Well, that seems to be sheer. I mean, this goes back to the rise of the Reform Party. I don't know that the name progressive being dropped from progressive conservative in itself was the problem, but it may have been symptomatic of something larger. Look, a, a, par- a party that's geared specifically to rural Alberta and Saskatchewan is, this, is not going to translate here. Look, the liberals have a problem, too. The liberals did not do well in those problems. Yeah. But the liberals can win elections without Alberta. Just as the Conservatives perhaps can win elections without the city of Toronto, but they cannot win elections without 905, without the suburban ring, those 35, 40 seats, depending on how you count them, from, the, from Niagara right through to Oshawa. They can't win without that, and as long as they see themselves as a party geared to social conservatism and, and right-wing populism from Alberta, um, I, I think Sheer or anybody else who represents that is going to be very much challenged. Well, and and they were hearkening back. These people I was talking to the other night, uh, hearkening back to the, the glory days of of obviously the the, the Diefenbakers or Brian Mulroney, uh, who was a centrist, a, a conservative to be sure, but a centrist. As a matter of fact, Brian Mulroney is still regarded by many people as the, as the most environmentally friendly pr- prime minister this country's ever had because of some of the stuff he did, vis a vis acid rain and things of this nature. Uh, mm-hmm. And a contrast that Barry with uh, with some of the policies on environment that the the current conservative party is putting forth, and you can understand how people are saying, I don't think that's the party I want to be with now. 
look, a global warming and climate change are just issues that aren't going away. They're getting more serious. And younger people, but the, also the electorate's changing. The younger people have different values on those questions, as on some of the social conservative issues. But demographically, we're changing, too. We're no longer such a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant province as we once seemed to be. And the conservatives have to think about that. I, I think parts of Alberta are changing as well. So it's not just it's not just Ontario. But by and large, where the conservatives are strong um, is not in areas that the demographics are, are improving. They're actually getting worse for them. They are going to have to have leaders and policies that are more sensitive to climate change, more sensitive to tolerance of, of minorities toward immigration and toward some of these other social issues. I mean, I, I, abortion technically is really off the table. I think the, the courts have decided that. But they still have people that will pop up and, and uh, make comments that are not helpful, even if the likelihood of conservatives being able to implement them, should they be in government, are very unlikely. Um, I do not think Scheer is, is an asset to the Conservative Party anymore, but getting a clone of Scheer isn't going to do it either. I'm not sure Bernier, had he won the leadership, would have been particularly effective either. Uh, what the conservatives are going to have to do, they, they, that doesn't necessarily have to be an Ontarian, although that would help. But they're going to have to get people that, in fact, can at least speak to urban and suburban Ontario. And frankly, it's not just Toronto. It's it's Vancouver. It's Winnipeg, Montreal. All of those areas are areas that the liberals cleaned up. They didn't do very well between Winnipeg and Vancouver. They got nothing. But in those areas, and particularly in urban Ontario, not just Toronto, but cities like Kitchener or Waterloo and Hamilton, the same problem. With that in mind, though, uh, if if Shear's not their guy, and that's as you say, there's going to be a review, and that may be the determination. We don't know yet. The, the other names I've heard, though, uh, well, as you mentioned, I mean, Jason Kenney's name is out there, and I'm not sure he'd give up his, his job as a premier to do that, but I, who knows. Uh, Brad Wall, the former premier of uh, Saskatchewan's name, has been mentioned as well. Uh, but that's really more of the same. It seems to me right now that it, it, the Conservative Party, as we see it today, Barry, is very much, as you say, a, a prairie-centric province right now. Uh, and, yep. and if that's where they're going to draw their next leader from, uh, can they expect anything different? Uh, I'm trying to remember the fellow. I think it's O'Toole uh, from just east of Toronto. Aaron there O'Toole, people, yeah. Yeah, uh, there are people in the caucus who are Ontarians. Frankly, I think they should sort of get out of the mindset of having to elect a Westerner. Not that Westerners can't be, can't be in power as well, but I think the party has to make some sort of gesture, not just symbolically, but in terms of pragmatic policies. I'm not sure he's necessarily the silver bullet either. I, I don't know him that well. But somebody like that who, in fact, is much more likely to be able to broaden the party's base Again, it's not that they have to clean, go to, to sweep Toronto. They don't have to sweep Toronto. They, uh, the Conservatives can win without winning many seats in Toronto at all, the city. But they do have to appeal to the urban and suburban area of Toronto, and most of those seats are in the 905. Not, it's not just in the 905, but it's very much typified by that. Is, uh, we're talking about obviously about Andrew Scheer because that's where the Ipsos poll was, uh, was centered on. Are there other party leaders right now that, uh, that may be on thin ice? I'm thinking specifically maybe of Elizabeth May. Well, I think Elizabeth May has sort of had it anyway. I think she wants out. Um, and indeed, um, look, I, my own view is that the Green Party effectively is hurting the, the Canadian left by basically splitting the vote. Yes, they want a seat in Fredericton, and she's very proud of the fact that it's the first party to have two-thirds female representation because they only have three people. Um, I, I think that indeed for people that are on the political left should really con- reconsider as to whether the Greens add much as a, a choice to the NDP and the Liberals, plus in the Quebec, the, the Bloc that are already supporting environmental policies. So uh, my own sense is that the Green Party is not necessarily something that enhances the Canadian left in general, at least the, the agenda of the Canadian left, and they didn't do particularly well in this campaign. Yes, I, I, I don't think that uh, Elizabeth May is going to be there in the future. I don't know enough about internal Green Party politics to know who might replace her. I don't think the party is going away. I just don't think that the party 
adds that much to the choices that are available to Canadians, and I think it splits the boat to the left. It, uh, in terms of the others, um, I, I don't know if you're interested. I, I think Singh's going to be around. Um, again, the irony of Singh and the irony of our political system. We see a, a party who that lost close to half its seats from the last election, um, three-quarters of its seats from two elections ago when Jack Layton was leader, and in fact actually has more power and influence in Parliament now than they had in either of those times. When Layton had 103 seats, he had no real power in a in a conservative majority government um, or influencing now because of the minority situation, which isn't so much as a result of Singh's doing so much as the fact that the bloc denied a lot of liberal seats in Quebec. The NDP is going to be a player in this next parliament. They're going to have an influence on policy in the way that happened for a long time. And um, Singh's not going anywhere. Uh, well, yeah, he's still on, I'm not going to say a honeymoon period necessarily, but he got a real boost. I guess it just seems, though, in, in recent years, though, Barry, that the, 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 the future of the NDP seems very much tied to what happens in Quebec, and that's really, really, they got decimated. Uh, was it because people had turned off the NDP, or was it just because the, the bloc all of a sudden became a viable alternative? Well, yeah, both. Um, and the fact that Singh is a visible minority who wears a turban, I think that, that counts much more negatively in Quebec than it does elsewhere. And that's why they've had their, their secular legislation, the Bill 21. Uh, look, the, the NDP was in trouble in Quebec even before Singh became leader. Um, while one would like to think if the NDP was ever going to be a, a serious alternative in terms of national government, winning Quebec as they did in, in uh, 2011 was critical. But frankly, the NDP is kind of back to where they were in the old days, which is they're not a Quebec party. They have the one member, Bolleris, from, uh, from Rosemont. They may be competitive in the odd other seat. Uh, but the NDP is probably going to be perennially a third party or right now even a fourth party. Um, and that, that they still have a role in the, the our political choices as a result of that. I'm not sure the Greens are, are all that valuable to have three or even four or five seats, uh, and, but splitting the vote and denying other left-wing parties, the Liberals and the NDP, seats elsewhere. If they weren't on the ballot, the NDP would have had probably more than the three seats they represented. Anyway, I, I don't want to dwell on that. I don't think the Greens are, are, are going anywhere. The NDP is... Um, the NDP is going to be around. They're going to be around as a third party, not a party that's probably a likely alternative to actually form a government. But in minority government times, as we have now, they can have influence and they will have influence. And we're going to see hopefully some movement toward pharmacare. That's going to take a while because you have to get provincial buy-in arranged with that, too. Hopefully something with regard to interest rates for, uh, for you know, post-secondary students making loans. Um, maybe something with regard to more housing, because both the Liberals and the Conserv- and the NDP are pledged to that. So there will be some policies. Those are examples where I think the NDP will have some influence encouraging the Liberal government to do things that they've already said they were going to do anyway. i got to throw one more name at you, and, and that's Justin Trudeau. I, I was talking to a Liberal insider who, who spoke to me on the condition of anonymity, uh, for obvious reasons, who says that uh, this may well be the last election Justin Trudeau leads the Liberals in. He's damaged goods. That was the phrase he used. Uh, and yeah, okay, we, we, you know, we won by, with a minority government, but they're questioning his future. Is there any validity to that? I agree with that. Um, at a time when I was sort of thinking they were going to come close to 15, 20 seats less than they had now, um, that uh, when they were going to be in the high 130s or thereabouts, around 140 seats, I thought that uh, yeah, Trudeau's time is probably finished. I don't think he will ever be able to have the appeal that he had um, four years ago. And I think there are obvious alternatives. Christopher Freeland is the name that quickly comes to mind. But I think that'll determine. I mean, again, he's going to be around for a while. Uh, we're really probably going to have at least a couple of years of minority government, maybe more, because of the fact that none of the opposition parties want an election. The NDP's broke. They had to mortgage their, their building in Ottawa in order to fund the campaign. They aren't getting money. Uh, the Bloc Québécois is on a high. They haven't done this well in forever. Um, the Conservatives perhaps might like an election, but they aren't in a position to be able to force it. So I think Trudeau will be around. 
depending upon the poll, his polling standing in a year and a half, two years, he may well decide that discretion is the better part of valor and offer his resignation before he's actually pushed. So I think there's a good chance he may not be around next time. But I can't say that based on the polls of today, but rather what public opinion looks like in a year and a half or so. Well, and his behavior as well. I mean, a lot of the concerns with with Trudeau obviously were you know self inflicted wounds, and you know, we don't know if he's over that yet or not. I guess time will tell. He, look, he's not a, he's not authentic. Look, you know, again, and I, frankly, I've always thought he was a lightweight. Even back in the days when he was he was more popular than he is now, he is not a particular. He's not the intellectual force his father was. Um, but nonetheless, he appeals to people. He's a celebrity. He's a notable, and people like that. And there was uh, an appearance of charisma certainly in the early days. Uh, that said, I don't think he's going away anytime soon, but um, I think it depends on how popular he is in the next couple of years as to whether or not he may be around for the next election. I'm not saying with certainty that that's going to happen, but the liberals do have alternatives, and I think Krista Freeland with somebody who has not made mistakes that I know of, and I think she would make a very credible alternative. There perhaps are others in the party as well. Barry Kay from uh, Wilfrid Laurier. As always, Barry, thanks so much for this. Great talking with you today. Good, good talking to you. Bye-bye. I'll take care. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.